0: So, join me now for another empowering chat. All right, we're getting into the home stretch, everybody. Re emergence for 2022 has had a monthly theme. And this month, November, is enlighten. So, let me tell you what that means means give intellectual or spiritual light to, to shed light on, to instruct to impart knowledge. So all of this thing, these ideas of shedding light on to enlighten, to give instruction or spiritual light to, this is an interesting concept to actually think about because so many of us trudge along in our daily life and we do the thing, but are we hurting or feeling enlightened? do we are we feeling like we are aware or awake? And that's what I choose. I want to be aware and awake as much as I can. and And it takes a lot of conscious effort sometimes, or just awareness. But to shed light on. So my question to you for this month of November is, where are you hiding? Where are there dark dark pockets? in your consciousness, your awareness, your life? Where are you just going through the motions? And where could you shed some light? Where could you develop some more intellectual or illuminating areas in your life? So like those dark pockets that you maybe don't want to look at, the thing you you don't want to do, or the part of you that you're constantly not happy about, Maybe it's time to shed some light on that area and see really what is it you're hiding or that you're keeping under a bushel basket, like my grandfather used to say, and allow your light to enlighten others by simply shining and being the beautiful you that you are. Enjoy our shows for this month. I, I am always so privileged and amazed at um, the individuals that I get to interview, because each and every one is just a spark of light. And this young woman that we're going to be hearing from today, we met oh a couple months ago, so I could be on her podcast. And we, I just fell in love with her concept and who she is, and the the sweet grace and loving kindness that she is. So, um, without further ado, I'm just going to welcome Amy Leah. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, Thank you, Susan. I can already feel this heart connection that we have, and uh, my whole body feels it. So I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. Yeah.
0: So you have a podcast that I had the privilege to be on called Circle of Change. And I remember when it came towards me to be on your show. Well, first of all, and we talked about this, but I'm going to talk about it so everybody else can know circles are a big thing for me. In fact, I have a painting in my office that is tons of circles with golden, I think it's golden light, it's just paint, but golden light around each of the circles. And that just represents all the um, people in the world that are wanting to connect and in connection and not realizing it. And so your, uh, your podcast, the focus of your show is about kindness and connecting with kindness. And can you speak a little bit about where you came up with that concept and why?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The circle concept is also really important to me. I've spent uh, decades sitting in communities all across the world, uh, listening to stories. And many of those conversations happened in circle, and what I noticed about those conversations, which was different from somebody sitting at the front of the room and then rows of people, was that something magical occurred when we sat in circle. You could almost feel the energy, although back then I probably was not attuned to it, but I see mm-hmm. it now through that lens. And it was years and years later that I actually started to be trained in running circle dialogues. And now that is what I do in my own business. Um, But what I love about Circle is that it is in all of our ancestral roots. You know, sometimes we think about it as being uh, just for indigenous populations or something like that, but it actually, if we look back 200,000 years it's in all of our roots when when we started to sit around fire and share stories and then share food and safety was created. So I I simply love this concept. And every time I get to apply it, I see that happening. So when I was thinking about this podcast, or really the, the podcast was a download. I don't I didn't have a choice. Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, that's what I want to recreate, but on this platform. So really creating the essence of circle, which for me is uh, reminding all of us that we are all interconnected, reminding us that each and every one of us is a knowledge keeper. We all have wisdom and that we are also all leaders and responsible for change, that that doesn't sit in the hands of some people and not others Uh, And those principles are, I think, the principles that are needed right now to heal our world. So uh, we bring that to the podcast in the way that we can. and And I certainly do that in the work that I do out there in the world.
0: Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you that this is that now is the time because we are in that place of interconnection, I think more globally than we were ever aware of before and, and you know and that's because of technology and but certainly the pandemic over the last few years pointed to that we all are connected and it's fascinating to me Amelia when as people have been reemerging right that's been the theme of my show is reemergence but as they've been reemerging the separate they're going back into their separateness as opposed to really moving forward in finding more connection and more uh, community and, and, and things like that. It's fascinating that they're, instead of going forward, they're, they're defaulting into old behavior.
1: Mm, Yeah, I see that too. And for me, it makes sense simply from like a brain perspective and that we we are wired to remain in our comfort zones, Uh, Mm, even though we are all here to expand in this lifetime on this earth. So the, what people are doing, I think, is, is exactly that, is just going back to what they know. I think because there's not a lot of guides out there to really show people the way to expansion and doing that in a way that is compassionate and loving and kind um, and not full of shame and regret and, and all of those things. Those are maybe some thoughts. I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't thought too much about that, but that's what's coming to me now.
0: Yeah, um, I, I would agree with you uh, on that too. That's why you, this work that you're doing um, is important because I sat on council. You, you, we call here we call it the way of council. It's just, and it's and you describe it on your podcast of sitting in a circle and everybody gets to have a say and there's a talking piece being passed. So when you have the talking piece, you get to speak whatever your truth is but the everybody else is the intention is to listen Mm -hmm. deeply and um and if people would just do that with each other on a daily basis it would Mm be you know so much better as opposed to trying to rush through their life and 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 defaulting into old behavior just because that is is comfortable i mean i really feel in the last few years, I know for myself, I have been pushed out and pushed out and pushed out of my comfort zone constantly. And um, at first it was, it was challenging. And now it's like, okay, yes, I have to, I just, one more thing I need to move through, not move away from.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, it is a journey and often, I don't know about you, but certainly pain pushed me into that particular journey where it was like, I don't want to continue life the way it's running because it's so painful, not only for me, but for everybody around me that I was causing harm with. And so I think there's, for some reason, people have to get to that place. And I think the pandemic caused that pain for a lot of people, just that tremendous uncertainty and fear, which which allowed people to really reflect more on their lives and what they're up to. Um, my my perspective, as well, I think, on why it's easy to go back to the way people are, and we get into this in the kindness circle that I run, is because one of the main questions we ask in that space is what is it that gets in the way of kindness? And Ooh, that's for a me- good question. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's on bumper stickers. It's like, be kind, be calm and carry on. Well, how do we be kind when we're living in a world where there is so much unhealed trauma, like thousands and thousands of years of unhealed trauma. And our world that we live in right now has been created from that place, from a very fear-based, I need to protect myself, individualistic perspective. And so if we don't, first of all, become aware of that sea that we're swimming in and see how that is impacting our own lives and how we are showing up and always protecting ourselves, then it's going to be really, really hard to achieve kindness.
0: You know what? That's uh, that's the best description I've heard, you know, and, and it's true. What is getting in the way of kindness? Uh, that's a good question for everybody to ask themselves. And even on a daily basis, when you, when you get triggered by something and you're angry or fearful, what's getting in the way of you being kind in this particular moment, that, that would grow huge conscious awareness just with that one question. Yeah. And it's so simple, isn't it? It's just so simple. Because really that's the choice we have. We can either be bullies or we can be kind, you know, I mean, really I see it that way. I don't, think there's a lot of in between because the, the compassion spectrum, right. Includes love and kindness and peace and forgiveness and, and things like that. But the anger fear thing, it's, it's just one way.
1: Yeah, it is one way. And I think that you know, for, for better or worse, we're living in a society that encourages the fear-based response, you know, especially like, just look at on social media and, and that's really what you're seeing there. People's just reactions, unconscious reactions. But I do think we are in this place of awakening and becoming more conscious to how it is we be in the world and what it is we want to create. So I think that's another piece that we go into in my work is like, what is your why and and how is it that you want to be in the world? Like, what do you want to contribute to in this lifetime? I don't think many people ask themselves that question. And then once you get really rooted in, in that, knowing that, you know what, like for me, it's love and joy. I know I'm here to create more love and joy in this world through my special way of doing that. So when I'm in a situation and, and say there's a difference of opinion or I'm, Feeling a bit agitated or judgmental, I ask myself, "Well, how do I want to be in this moment?" And you know that initial response, which is actually, it's a, it's an automatic nervous system response when we get judgmental, or, or we get argumentative, or we check out, uh, or maybe we get super apologetic and and push people away in that way. That's our our trauma response. It's our uh, sympathetic nervous system that's just saying uh-oh like protect yourself but if we're not aware of that we'll just act in right. that place so I think that's that's the period we're in right now is is that consciousness of oh wait I I have control here in terms of how I want to be in the world but I really only have control if I allow myself to pause in those moments when I feel activated and make a choice, but it's, it's a huge commitment. Like I I think it's, it's easy to say, well, it's either like it's, it's be kind or don't be kind, but it's complicated just because of the way our bodies work. And, and then all the trauma that is there as well, that really encourages us to be protectionary, protectionary and separate.
0: You know what and I love that you um you mentioned that it's a trauma response so it's a response to something that happened a while ago mm-hmm. so it's not even rooted in the present moment it's just yeah. a response yeah right and and so then so then are we so the the gift in becoming aware that it's just a trauma response at least in my personal uh growth is um that like you were saying then i have a choice i, I okay wait a minute this I'm reacting t- about something that happened a long time ago maybe another lifetime ago and mm-hmm. I don't have to react that way so so what are the choices ahead of me what what do I how do I want to be and and like you I choose I'm choosing to be love and even in the moments where I'm feeling angry choosing love getting to a place where I can just choose a kernel of that opens up doorways that mm-hmm. would otherwise I'd be blocked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yes. To all of that. And I think too, the other thing that looking at these reactions through that trauma lens does for me anyways, is that it allows for compassion because mm-hmm. it, it really is that like inner child in us um like I I use this example sometimes like when I go to the restaurant a restaurant and I, I need to be somewhere and I and I know I need to get out at a certain time um, and the, and the the server doesn't like show up instantaneously <laughs> I'm kind of prickly like when that person arrives and <clears throat> but this is how this is how this works is that I'm actually, it has nothing to do with that person, right? I'm actually worried about being late for whatever it is I'm going to do. And I'm actually not even worried about being late. I'm worried about being abandoned because if I am late, then that person might not like me or accept me. And then because of my own familial history, that fear of abandonment, that unhealed wound is still very present in me. So when that cervix arrives, I'm reacting from that place, a survival mechanism. So if I can see that in myself and just be like, oh gosh, it's okay. Then I can also look at other people's reactions with that same lens and be like, ah, okay. They're just in a fear-based place right now. This has nothing to do with me.
0: Right. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That's it. That right there is a spiritual practice, mm, to, yes. you know, a continual spiritual practice. And and the better we get at recognizing that what's going on, isn't about me. Although, you know, at times it's all about me because I'm (laughs) the one having the reaction. Right. Right. So that's about me, (laughs) but it, but it really isn't about me. Then, um, that gives you some, some ability to open your eyes a little bit more and see, uh, what the truth is in, in the moment. Mm. So, so, um, let's talk a little bit because you mentioned, um, part of your, uh, circle practice is about, um, exploring diversity and, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that because there's a lot of diversity and exclusion going on across the planet right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's in politics, it's in the wars, it's, you know, with the survivors and, uh, the people that are having to flee their homelands. It's all in, it's diverse, but it's not inclusionary. It's excluding these people. Let's move them off. Like in America, I think you may have read, Texas was sending immigrants to New York Hmm. and other states on buses. So because the, the bright mind that decided to do that thinks that if the immigrants go to a different state then that state it will experience what i'm experiencing.
1: Mm.
0: But look at how exclusionary that is and and not and, and it's not a in any way in my mind part of healing an issue it's about polarization constantly. So okay. in your circle work how do you deal with that? How do you how do how does your community learn how to deal with that?
1: Yeah, that's uh, a really powerful and profound conversation that you're bringing into this dialogue. For me, because I've worked for decades with um, indigenous communities, I've had the benefit of really understanding their worldview, which I believe is a very spiritual perspective. I've also been able to witness how colonization has caused so much trauma in that yeah. community from disconnecting them from their culture, their beliefs. And so my worldview really includes that that perspective and worldview. So when I walk into an, a diversity and inclusion talk, what often is present is again, people's protective mechanisms, because the one big lie that colonization told all of us is that we are separate from each other and Mm -hmm. that we must protect ourselves at all costs. And what it failed to recognize is that we actually live in an ecosystem. And meaning, if you think about an ecosystem, ecosystems are first of all full of diversity they need diversity to survive and they- and, to, and
0: to multiply and create exactly
1: and to multiply and create and also there's like an interconnected web of communication mm. through an ecosystem and there's more and more wisdom that's that's becoming accessible to mainstream populations that are that are sharing this wisdom because the the western science is kind of catching up with the like traditional sciences of indigenous communities. So when I step into the diversity and inclusion talk, that's really what how we approach it is first of all, just acknowledging that we're mm. living in this sea of colonization and it's really hard to see our blind spots um, and that we can walk into this conversation with compassion for one another, but also hold people to account. But it's really establishing like looking at our language, looking at how it is we view the world through that lens of an ecosystem, and in that lens, it's like, oh, diversity must be celebrated, inclusion must be celebrated because we all need that to survive and thrive. And we can see, you know, because we've been walking the earth with this view of separateness, you know, our our earth, our planet is really screaming at us right now, saying hey, like it's a visual representation of actually what we're doing to humanity and we're all suffering yeah. because of it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like for me, I I absolutely know and believe that if um, I don't deal with my blocked emotions and reactions, eventually they'll outpicture as a disease in my body. And it's yes. the, what you just described as the same thing. The earth is feeling disease because humanity is not paying attention and dealing with their shit.
1: Mm, Yeah. And we're connected to the eco, like the earth. So that's the other thing too. Like, that's what I love about indigenous cultures. Like there's no separateness between a bird and a tree and myself. And they, it's not referring to those things as things and it and whatever. It's like, these are my ancestors. So mm-hmm. you walk into a forest and you're surrounded by your ancestors, you're going to mm. treat that forest very, very differently than if you yeah. thought of it as an inanimate object that is at your disposal because you rule it. Mm-hmm. It's a very different way of walking the earth. Mm-hmm. You
0: just described how I feel when I enter into a redwood grove. It, it's the, the energy that those trees have, the ancient, ancient forest trees the new ones are pretty darn good too, but I have a, there's a grove near my home where I I'll just go up on it any given day and with a blanket and sit under a redwood tree and just look up at it. And, and they're not even a hundred years old yet in that little grove, mm-hmm. but yeah, the power of, of, you know, for some people it's going into the ocean and feeling the power of that. Yeah. Um For me it's trees, but uh yeah, it, I, and it, it's interesting to think of them as my ancestors as well, not just the, in the human form, but mm. in they're holding so much space for us. It's, it's just beautiful. Mm. So beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think like that's really the, the shift that I want to make in my conversations around this topic is that because there's so much fear and trepidation and feeling of overwhelm, overwhelming to, to step into this dialogue which is of course going to force us in some way to reflect on us and how we've been showing up and how we've been mm-hmm. exclusionary you know in our own lives that's really hard work mm-hmm. but if we can get grounded in the excitement of wow what could we create and what would this world truly look like and feel like if we knew that we were interconnected and we and we we truly celebrated diversity it would it's, it would be unrecognizable to what we have created thus far.
0: So when you're working with a circle uh, or in, in a community um, to bring to the, the awareness how diverse we are, what are some of the components that you look for uh, to kind of, I don't know if it's pointing out uh, or... Uh, When somebody is, you know, I I mean, I've met lots of people that say, oh, I absolutely believe in diversity. I am a diversity person, Mm. you know, and then they turn around and they do something that is so uncompassionate, but they think that they understand diversity, do you know? And and so you you can't, so there's a constant inner evaluation, it seems to me of, am I, am I having this thought about that person who looks and acts differently from me because of what I don't understand them or do, 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 do. I was trained that way by my family you know so what are the components that you how do you get people into an awareness that you know yes we we all want that very lofty thing of accepting diversity but how how do we actually, how do you you get people to begin to see when they're not practicing diversity
1: Mm, or inclusion? Oh, yeah, I love that question. (laughs) We start with getting people into their bodies. I Mm. think it's very easy to be exclusionary uh, when we're detached from ourselves, we're detached from our own heart center. And that's, Uh again, another side effect of colonization that really told us that the mind and the body and the soul are all separate from one another and it that detachment that disassociation is what's allowed us to have genocide and systemic racism because we don't have to feel we don't have to feel anything toward right toward what we have done with discrimination. And um, part of that process is detaching ourselves. And and if you look around society, there's like a thousand and one different ways that we can detach from our bodies, like social media, food, Netflix, drinking, drugs, sex, like there's a, there's so many ways and our society is supports all of that kind of has normalized it. So we start with just bringing people back into their body. So a lot of breathing techniques and just becoming aware of, okay, like we were speaking before we started recording about, oh, what's, what's happening in my throat right now in this moment? What's happening in my chest or my, my solar plexus area? And often, you know, our bodies are brilliant. There's so many messages there. And if we would just draw our, like, have the courage because it is courageous work to pause and notice we would know when we are coming from a place of fear because there's a certain feeling in our bodies about fear and you're right in that it's it's constant work it's constant awareness and that takes a commitment um And it also takes, I think, a gentleness and a self-compassion to know that we're not always going to do that. You know, there will be moments where we're just simply going to react, but then we can make amends and and do what we need to do after that. But if we're detached from our bodies, we won't do this work well. We won't really embody diversity and inclusion. I think that's the other piece that we really get at because some people say, okay, well, I'm going to vote. In a in a diverse way, like who I vote for Mm. in politics. That's gonna be my diversity and inclusion work, or I'm gonna have diverse friends, or um I'm gonna read a book on diversity and inclusion. And all of those things are excellent and needed. And if we're not really taking it internally, we're we're not gonna we're just gonna keep recreating the same. Right. Yeah.
0: We're not gonna affect change if unless we do change internally exactly within ourselves within ourselves it's interesting that you're saying that that, uh, so my spiritual practice over the last year and a half almost two years now had became um a daily place of of meditation journaling contemplative reading working with some elementals or the archangels or whatever but what i began to notice is almost daily. And some of this, cause my son's getting married. So I'm letting go of my son and he's going to, he's already having an amazing life, you know, but, and it's not without me, but it's, it's, you know, his partnership is now with his soon to be wife, not his mom, you know? Um, and so I, but what I notice is my daily practice becomes, Having a good cry for a good 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And when it first started, the grief, and it's not just grief about my son, it's grief about my life, it's grief about humanity, it's grief about, I've been carrying grief for like eons, I guess. But the grief, when it first started really um, spilling over because I was finally consciously in my body, right? Mm -hmm. Because I avoided the grief a lot. Um, At first, I thought, oh my God, am I always going to be sad? And and then I just cry for 10 minutes and I get out off my chair and I'm like, oh, good. Today's a beautiful day. Let's go for a walk. Let's go do something fun. But the grief comes up. I, I have to express it by crying, you know, a few Kleenexes later. And then uh, and then I'm good to go with the rest of my day. And I thought, well, this is a new spiritual practice, just releasing the grief or or releasing, or noticing that uh, when I sit down to journal, I'm furious about mm. something. Or, or I'm furious, but I don't know what I'm furious about. And to notice those emotions and really kind of, and not even, sometimes I have to dig in. I want to find what the root of it is, but sometimes it's just, they just want to be seen, you know, mm. the, the emotions want to be noticed. Hi, I'm here. You know, the thing you ignored yesterday, I'm still pissed off about. Okay. You saw me. Good. I'm, I'm over it. Goodbye. You know? So mm. the, I think that's true with looking within about where am I inclusive with myself hmm. and where am I inclusive with others? And what does it look like when I'm not? Because the, all of that brings up feelings, at least in at least for me, when I noticed <clears throat> we were recently at um, a local community uh, that has restaurants and movie theaters and, and uh, pre-pandemic, we went there often, my spouse and I, and, you know, go have, dinner at this one place and then go see a movie or whatever vice versa and we were just there the last weekend and there was a huge shift during pandemic at this uh shopping center and the consciousness there is not either it's either it's my huge shift or it's and they and the consciousness there has been the same consciousness but i can't even i can't even walk down The street there anymore. I told my husband, we can't come here anymore because it it is so not inclusive. It is Mm. so, uh, the, the, the energy system that shows up there is not aware they're Mm. unconscious. And I, I, from the work I've been doing all my life, but especially the last couple of years, I, I can't be around. I can't be around people that are unconscious because while they're, while they're nice people, you know, for the most part, I, I see them as nice people. There is just some other kind of muck that they're walking. It's like, it's like pig pen from Charlie Brown, you know, the guy that always had the cloud Mm -hmm. of dust. That's what it felt like this weekend. And I was like, we're going to have to take a break coming here because I can't tolerate it. Oh yeah. Um, It just doesn't feel right. And the, and the food didn't taste good. Hmm. I was like, wow! All of a sudden, this food doesn't taste good. Whoa! So that was me, I guess, maybe becoming more aware of me. But the but the 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 other part of me was like, Susan, you should be. This is a diverse place. Look at all the different kinds of people that are here. Why aren't you enjoying that? And I and I I wasn't. It, it, I couldn't because it was. It just didn't feel. Um, the consciousness felt really dense. Mm if that makes sense. Mm
1: -hmm. So,
0: you know, we'll, we'll take a break and I'll go back and I'll let you know how I feel later, but, um, (laughs) I think
1: you bring up an interesting point (laughs) and I I don't think it's really part of the pandemic dialogue too much yet, but, um, I went through a cancer journey three years ago. And so I, I get to see the world through that lens too, which was also an experience steeped in trauma you know, because it is a very Mm. traumatic thing to be faced with your death. And what I reflected on in that journey was, you know, while I was in treatment, I was in survival mode, you know, just getting by one day at a time, you know, that, that was my focus. And afterward, when I emerged, that is when I actually found it the most difficult and it's actually when, you know, a lot of your supports also fall away because they're like, yeah, you got the treatment. Yes. Awesome. You're doing great. And then you're left there sitting in your life, not recognizing yourself, not recognizing right. the world around you or how to be in it. And I see the same pattern with the pandemic that, you know, for the last two years, people have been in survival mode, just getting by. And now we're sort of trying to have more freedom in this space, even though, you know, the pandemic is still very much present, but people are in this, this moment of processing, like, who am I and, and what is this world? And, and there isn't because so before cancer, I had already done quite a bit of work on emotional awareness and building a new relationship with my emotions, seeing them as gifts, not something to be feared but our general society is still very much in a fear-based place around our emotions. They don't understand Mm -hmm. what they're here to tell us. And so people are now feeling all of these things potentially, but not knowing what to do with it. So I can understand the, the huge amount of tension that is coming up and we're seeing that in communities. Um, But that's really people's reaction to what they're feeling and pushing it all away because we're not competent as a society in terms of how to be with our emotions and really process what is happening for us right now as a collective. So I can understand why you're you're picking up on that. Yeah. Because you're, you're tuned in, like you, you feel that energy like it resonates through your body. So it makes sense to me that you show up in a place and you're like, Whoa, what is happening here? Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and I, and that's a really good point, um, Amy Leah. Is that we we do tend to ignore the the things that make us uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and um, and in that ignoring of it, it kind of multiplies that thing that we're uncomfortable about. Because, like I was ex- trying to explain, when the emotion shows up, it's best to just sit with it, be with it, because eventually it'll abate. It'll you know either. It'll be happy it got your attention or it it just moves through you. The power of it moves through you and then it's no longer powerful. It doesn't have to hold your attention forever, just long enough for you to process it. And Mm -hmm. people that didn't really do any processing while they were in lockdown during this pandemic, thinking we're all going to go back to normal. And boy, if people want to go back to the way it was before, I'm so sorry. That is not where I want to be the way it was before yeah. it, it, because that the where it was before it, you know in in all of the spectrums of how you live a life was not necessarily healthy for anybody and those of us that are sensitive and attuned have experiences like cancer or other kinds of diseases that that we you know we don't have to but it's important that we sit with ourselves and work through it and, and meet the traumas that are out picturing through the body and, and, and then get to know, okay, I, this is from the past. This isn't, this isn't current. Mm -hmm. This, this happened a while ago. And so now, like you said, who am I now? And, and you said earlier, what's my, why, what is my, why now? Not what is my why from when I was born or, you know, Mm. five years ago, or before I entered into the lockdown situation. But what's my why? And My big question is, who am I Mm -hmm. now? Because I see us as constantly evolving beings. And, um, you know, the cells replicate themselves, I forget how many cycles in a minute and all that. We are that being, we are that cell. Mm -hmm. So who am I now? And then in this next moment, who am I now? Yeah, because that's the that's that's the point of change. Yeah, recognizing that we're evolving and growing, and because we're evolving and growing, that means we're changing. And so, what we react to uh, now doesn't have to be the same thing we reacted to five years ago. Mm. So, I love I love the idea of also sitting in a circle where, in your community, where people share their stories, because the power of the story inspires other people or triggers other people into okay well wow that's my story too or or whatever but also the telling of the story gives the storyteller and I'm one of them uh opportunity to to let go of that story yeah you don't have to pick up the story and carry it around with you you can in a safe sacred circle you can speak the story and let it go
1: Mm, yeah that That's beautiful. It's really that movement of energy. And when we hold stories or hold feelings or thoughts and inside of us, that's when disease happens. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it really is th- that if you can create that sacred space for people to share what is in their heart, you know, I often find, too, that allowing people to speak and, and, and having a space where they're not going to be interrupted, where no one's going to give them advice, there's no crosstalking they're able to tap into that story in a different and new way. And often you can see people having these awakenings and realizations as they speak. And then the other people in the circle, as you said, are also deepening their understanding of themselves through that process, which I think again is, is one of the beautiful powers of circle is that it reminds us that we are interconnected and that we're not alone. And there's so much loneliness in our world today. Um so yeah. I think these these ways of being really are essential for healing our world on so many different levels, but certainly the mental health uh, crisis that we find ourselves in today.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah so um Amy Leah's show is called. Her podcast is called Circle of Change, and her website is humconsulting.ca, and um, you can go to her website, and you can find her podcast and all of those things, but it's also, the, the listening to your shows is like sitting in circle. It's like sitting in community as, as people are sharing their stories. It's really, really cool. It's a great, mm-hmm. great listen, that kind of gets in deep. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for, I was going to say surviving, but no, thank you for thriving in uh, this area where it's so, it's so needed the the idea of connection heart to heart in a circle and sharing it's so needed. So thank you for
1: that. Mm. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And thanks for having me here to get to share a bit of my story that's always a treat so and you're such a beautiful soul uh it's always a pleasure to be in your space yeah
0: thank you thank you so i'm just going to end with and so it is namaste well that wraps up our empowering chat today i hope you enjoyed it and if you did go to susanburrell.com you can See all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at so That's it for today. See you next time.